This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. The growth stocks are still king, but of course you knew that, right? But us value investors don't have to sacrifice growth just to buy cheap stocks. There are value stocks with growth. How do you find these creatures? It's a kind of a rare combination, but they are out there. So I've done podcasts in the past using the peg ratio. So that's what we're going to use again today. And just for all the newbies out there, I thought I'd cover what the peg ratio is. So it literally is peg, P-E-G. That's where you'll, that's what you'll see if you go to zax.com and put in a ticker. Um, in the quote page, scroll down, you'll see P-E-G sitting there. It won't actually say ratio on zax.com. And you can find the peg ratio like that on various other financial sites like MarketWatch, um, the NASDAQ, Yahoo Finance, all of them. So what it is, is it's the price to earnings to growth ratio. So PE and then the G. And you don't need to compute it yourself, as I just said, but if you wanted to, it's price over um, earnings per share over earnings per share growth, if you wanted to figure it out. Back in the day before the internet, yeah, we all had to sit there kind of figuring it out. Um, Benjamin Graham had to like manually try to figure it out, but we don't have to, so we're not gonna. <laughs> we're just gonna go on sax.com and look at that peg ratio on there. So why would value investors want growth? So for today's episode, I had to go back and consult, I'm getting it out right here, My Intelligent Investor, the definitive book on value investing by Benjamin Graham. We've done a whole bunch of podcasts about this book. The book is pretty dry and we were doing some uh, chapter by chapter analysis of the book and what Graham's uh, arguments and um, points were in each of the chapter. I still recommend this book to all value investors, especially if you're a newbie, but you might not want to take it on your vacation <laughs> because it is pretty dry. That's why we're doing chapter by chapter. But now that I've opened it up once again, because it's been been a while since I took a look at it, Um, I am recalling how great it is and how good his advice is. And this is the one that is the revised edition. Um, There might even be, no, I think this is the last revised edition. So this one is the one that's updated with the new commentary by Jason Zwig. And Warren Buffett gives like a little preface again. So because... Uh, Graham died in the 70s, and so this was last updated in like the early 70s by Graham himself. But this version, I believe, is like, let me look, I think 2004 or something, 2005, let me see, 2006. So that was the last time. I'm kind of surprised they haven't updated it again with some more kind of more modern examples in it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do see something in the next few years on uh, another updated version, maybe also by Jason again. So keep that in mind, but it's still uh, totally relevant to what's going on today and what's happening in the stock market. So I kind of tried to find the peg issues in the um, index in the back and I had trouble finding it even under there, but 
I, I managed to find a whole section on growth stocks. So this will serve our purpose too. So what what does Ben Graham think about growth stocks? Obviously, he was a value investor and everyone considers him to be the father of value investing. So he was not a super fan of the growth stocks, but every generation of investors has a bull market in growth stocks. And the, Ben Graham, that was no exception, including in the 1960s, right up until he was writing the last update to this book um, he was also dealing with a bull market and growth stocks and we're in a bull market and growth stocks again today starting uh, about in 2013 so we've been going about eight years now in the growth stock rally but he still has a lot of things to say and um so i dove in to get his take on what he would think about um, you know, buying some value stocks with growth. So let's just start with the growth stocks, right? So he's mainly negative on the growth stocks because usually they are expensive. They aren't not value stocks. And he talks about how the investor tends to, quote, pay in full, unquote, because they're not getting a deal. They're not getting it on sale. They're not buying those earnings or sales for below what they're worth. They're buying them for more than what they're worth. So to him, that makes no sense. Why would he want to do that? Um, also, he talks about how an investor's judgment about the future may be wrong because the growth is really about the future. You're betting that this company can continue to grow at this rate, uh, and that's how you justify that higher valuation. And then he talks about how rapid growth cannot be kept going forever. And he says, quote, at some point, the growth curve flattens out. And in many cases, it turns downward, unquote. Now, I know what you're thinking, because this is what I was thinking when I read that quote. Um, what about Fang? That's managed, to, that's managed to stay pretty strong on the growth trajectory uh, for quite some time. I've always said, even 10 years ago, about companies like Alphabet, for instance, you know, when they were growing revenue and earnings at 20% plus 10 years ago, I said, well, that's all fine, but how long can they really do this? Because historically, most companies cannot grow at 20%, you know, for infinity because they reach a level where they're just so big that that kind of growth rate cannot keep repeating. Because, you know, growing a $1 billion company 20% is a lot different than growing a $100 billion company 20%. But yet, many of the FANGs have continued with this level of growth rate, even through just this last earnings report here in the summer of 2021. So I can't believe they are still doing it. So with some of these companies, uh, investors are willing to pay higher for that growth rate because that growth rate is still there. But at some point, he is correct, the growth curve will flatten. And you can see it to some extent with Apple, which went through a spurt of high growth again in the last five years, but now is really slowing back down into the single digit growth levels, um, no longer even doing above 10%. Yet many investors are still willing to pay a higher price for those Apple earnings and sales. But you do have to wonder for how long will they do it? Okay, that's just my little uh, 
you know, little warning on maybe Apple now that that growth rate is starting to slow. Now, Graham does argue that big fortunes have been made in growth stocks, but he says they're usually by people who are in early, that they don't get in after a 20-year run in the stock. Um, They're not joining the herd, and they're early because they either worked at the company or they had some kind of family connection. So they had like basically some insider information (laughs) that something good was going on at this particular company and that it was crushing it and that you should be investing. And he talks about how that kind of insider info justified them in putting their resources in it into a relatively unknown company and then holding through all the ups and downs through the recessions through um, earnings misses through management changes whatever else may be going on a pandemic and these certain very few small number of investors managed to buy in early and then hold on Now, this kind of gets back to something I've talked about many times on Twitter, is that I always have a hard time finding people who have bought FANG um, way early on. Not not those who worked at the company and were given like stock options or were the first, you know, 50 employees, those people. No, I'm talking about just normal people, you and I, who did seem to recognize, hey, this company has something special and I want to buy in, you know, when it's fairly small. So even though, you know, Amazon has been on this great run, it's very difficult. And I've never seen, um, you know, the, the press, even the media, able to find someone who bought even the IPO and held on through, through the dot-com bust. And when the shares went down to like $7, I think it was, or something, um, it's very difficult. There was an article a couple of years ago about some of the early investors in Apple from the 1980s. They did manage to track down at least one woman who did hold on to the Apple IPO, even though Apple at one point was 30 days away from bankruptcy in the in the 1990s. And she held on throughout that whole time period. They did find some Microsoft investors from the 1980s, but who didn't buy the IPO, but did buy early in and held on. So there are some of those people. um, And that's great, too. But it's very unusual to find anyone who was like an early investor in some of these what we now call, you know, big cap, big, big tech companies. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens with Facebook. They are nine years out from their IPO now. And so next year, 2022, will be the 10-year anniversary of that IPO. A lot of people bought in but because they loved it. And they bought in to uh, fund their kids' college education fund was one of the big things I heard um, for their retirement funds, all these, all these dreams and goals for the Facebook IPO. But how many have held on to that? I did not buy the Facebook IPO. I don't know how many of you did and if you're still holding it, but it has been somewhat of a rocky road over the last nine years in holding that. How many have held on? But that's a whole other discussion we'll have on another day. So he he doesn't like growth stocks for these reasons, but this still leaves us with growth stocks that are cheap. And he should like that because we're still getting the growth but we're getting it at the discount. So what's not to like? That's why he's one of the first people to invent and use the peg ratio because he did like it 
And if you can get a stock that is growing its earnings at this rate and consistently doing so, why would you not buy it? So a good question to ask, however, is why there are value stocks with growth? Why is the market rejecting these? Because it does have the growth. So why are they on the outs? Because there has to be some reason they're cheap. And so that means they're on the outs and Wall Street doesn't want to buy them. Um, so a couple reasons for that could be the first one is that they're a cyclical type of company in a cyclical industry. So that means by the cycle, they'll have periods where the earnings growth is really high and then the cycle will go to the down cycle and then the earnings come back down and the earnings growth may even turn negative during those periods. So you'll see this a lot in areas like energy, agriculture, where the semiconductors go through these cycles. And so that could be one of the reasons why a stock with good growth is still considered to be cheap right now. A second reason, but this is particular to the environment we're in right now, is that the street could be thinking that this is peak earnings, that the growth that has occurred cannot continue on, unlike Alphabet or um, Facebook and the rest of the Fang gang, that everyone thinks that growth is going to continue on and on. In these stocks, in this case, they think that they've reached peak earnings, maybe due to the pandemic and the surge that has happened in businesses after the pandemic, and that it simply won't get any better than this, and there's nowhere to go but down. So these stocks could be cheap for that reason. So I decided to run the screen with the peg, of course. And so the peg ratio I chose is under one because a one peg um, usually is like the neutral peg. And that that means it's not, you know, oh, terribly expensive, and, but it's not a value. But once you go under the one, that's when you are getting the growth for cheaper. So we want that under one. And as always, I'm going to add the Zach's rank, right, especially now during earnings season. So the number one strong buys and the number two buys. So that's going to limit us to just between 800 and 900 stocks have those Zach's ranks. But right now, during earnings season, a lot of companies should be seeing rising earnings estimates. You know, they, they reported earnings, they beat, they raised. The analysts are all like, yeah, they're killing it. We need to raise our estimates for the year and for next year. And so they do. And then the rank moves up to the strong buys or the buys. So just screening with the peg and the rank gave me 102 stocks. But that's really too many. <laughs> that's too many to go through. But how, how do we narrow this further while keeping the growth component? I didn't want to add PE, price to sales, price to book, any other value metric to this screen because I already get the PE in the peg. And so what else can I add but to make sure I'm still getting cheap growth stocks? So I decided to add the, um, to enhance the growth component. So just using the peg ratio, I might get some skewed data in there due to the pandemic. So if you recall, 
a year ago, the second quarter was when the shutdowns really hit the United States. And um, so that was when the earnings were all slashed and the earnings, you know, plunged. And then now we've seen this tremendous rebound. So a lot of the earnings growth, the year over year earnings growth is now basically, you know, high <laughs> because those comps from a year ago were easy because they they went down. It was terrible a year ago. So the growth component looks real good on a lot of companies right here because it's year over year. That comparable is going to get more difficult as we go forward into the next two quarters when things were already rebounding at the end of last year. But for now, we're still kind of in this comparison to the height of the pandemic. So with that area being a little bit skewed due to the pandemic, I decided to add the five-year historical earnings growth rate. And so that would make sure that these companies weren't just like a one-hit wonder. They weren't just rebounding off the pandemic lows with the growth, but that they've had growth for several more years, even prior to the pandemic. So I chose a growth rate of 20%. And I would admit that that's pretty aggressive. I knew it would be going in because 11% is the average growth rate. So I picked something that's almost double the average. So that means these companies, you know, pretty hot already over the last couple of years. So throwing that in with the peg ratio and the Zach's rank, that screen now narrowed it down to just 18 stacks. So that worked, gave me a lot smaller universe to look at. But what are the choices of those 18 stacks? So it's kind of slim. <laughs> it wasn't uh, all the, you know, some super growth superstars like I thought it might be, but there are some fantastic companies in, in that 18 stacks uh, that we have talked about here on the show before, but I am gonna talk about them some more because uh, they are cheap and the market is basically saying that their growth is done and that it's peak earnings. So. Um, what is it? No, it's not the home builders. In fact, no home builder made this screen. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but it is in automobiles. So cars, which have been red hot, but they were already hot before the pandemic. The pandemic has only lit a fire even stronger underneath um, what was already strong earnings growth for a lot of the auto related companies. So um, I'm just going to dive in with the stocks because we are going to cover a couple of these auto retailers. That's who's on here. And then I have a few others because I wanted to do something beyond just the auto retailers. So um, let's dive right in and see what's on this list. Okay, so Asbury Automotive is the first stock. ABG, it is one of the auto retailers. It has a peg of 0.47 and the long-term growth is 23%. It's supposed to grow 2021 earnings by 76%. It's already reported second quarter earnings. All the auto retailers have been crushing it. It still has that dirt cheap PE of 8.7. So everything is still the same. We still wanna buy autos, either new or used and people just don't want to take public transportation and they want their own car. So this still remains hot. Now, analysts have been looking at 2022 and they don't know what to do. So 2022 for a lot of the auto retailers is mostly flat. They're, they're basically just on hold until we kind of get closer to 2022 and see what's happening. 
with the economy and the consumer. Um, but but for now, 2021 is still red hot. So that's Asbury Automotive, ABG. The second one is Group One Automotive, GPI is that ticker. PEG is 0.72, long-term growth 26%. PE is dirt cheap at six, six times for Group One. Uh, 2021 EPS, 54%. I took a look at revenues on this one, also up 22%. So everything is just humming along, like I said, for these uh, auto retailers. The third one is Lithia, ticker LAD is the ticker there. They're kind of trying to rebrand themselves at Lithia, it looks like, um, because they own Driveway, and that's their online portal to buy and sell cars. But what they'll also do is, um, you know, if you have to have repairs on your cars, you can go online, say, hey, I need repairs. They'll come to your house, pick up the car, drop off, you know, a filler car for you, and then repair it all online on Driveway. And Driveway is kind of their answer to Carvana. It allows you to search for either new or used cars by monthly payment which I know is important to a lot of consumers right now. And that's an important metric. So some people, you know, we just want the car. We don't really care what kind of car or SUV it is. <laughs> we just know, hey, I can only pay $250 a month. What does this get me? And it, you can plug it in and it'll show you what's available and what you can get. So um, I kind of like the driveway thing. They sold a new record high, or they had transactions of a new record high in June of this year of 500 transactions. So they are kind of on track to growing this little area of the business while maintaining all the dealerships and everything else. So Lithia, PEG of 0.6, growth rate, five-year growth rate, 26%, earnings expected to be up 63% this year while revs up 64%. So the stocks on all these auto retailers have soared. And so a lot of people might look at this chart and go, man, these aren't values, but obviously they are based on pegs, peas, everything. Um, they still do have the growth, but for how much longer? And, and what happens when that growth kind of uh, cools off a bit Will we see a big uh, sell-off in these stocks? Maybe you can get them even cheaper. That could could be the case. So you might want to put these on your watch list. Another car company um, outside of those three is America's Car Mart, ticker CRMT. They haven't reported earnings yet, so we're waiting on this one. They report on August 17th. They have a peg of 0.57 and a long-term growth rate of 48%. Now, I did take a look at fiscal 2022. Earnings are expected to decline, actually, this year, 4.8. And then next year, up only 2.9. So the growth rate looks like it's really going to sharply decline here in America's car mart. So be aware of that, that there might be some value trappiness in this one or growth trappiness as well that the growth rate is going to slow with this one. But that's America Car Mart at CRMT is the ticker. Then um, I'm going to switch over to the oil and gas. There is one energy company that showed up on the screen. It's Cabot Oil and Gas, ticker COG. This is a natural gas producer, so not oil 
but nat gas. It has a peg ratio of 0.17. So <laughs> doesn't almost get any lower than that, 0.17. And the long-term growth rate is 37%. Um, for this year, they're expected to make a $1.73. That's up 220% from last year because nat natural gas prices have uh, dramatically increased and demand has risen. But also some further growth, 8.7% for next year in 2022, up to $1.88. So this uh, energy side is seeing some good growth rates that many analysts expect to continue into 2022. So this could be an area, if you're worried about peak growth, that you might want to consider looking at. Uh, they also pay a dividend yielding 2.7%. So that's pretty juicy there too. Uh, there was one retailer on here, Abercrombie & Fitch, ticker ANF. They have a peg ratio of 0.65 and a growth rate of 47%. Uh, the apparel guys really struggled in the pandemic, but they're making a big comeback, especially with back to school and back to colleges. Abercrombie & Fitch with the teenagers and the 20-something customers. So this area should do well in this reopening. So they lost 73 cents last year, expected to make 3.30 this year. And then uh, see a little bit of pullback in, in the next fiscal year after that to 2.80. Uh, so a little bit of value trappiness, but they haven't reported earnings yet. So we're not sure just how good it is, but they're reporting at the end of August. So be sure to tune in for the retailers to see just how strong back to school and then the holiday is expected to be. And then um, I'm gonna wrap it up with the seventh stock. This one we've talked about in the past, but I did wanna see kind of what it's doing because it did report earnings. It's Echo Global Logistics. You know it, because I've talked about it. ECHO, anything with the logistics is strong right now because everybody is shipping everything everywhere. And there's, you know, uh, just at the supply uh, with anything, trucking, shipping, ships, airplanes, everything is so limited. And so, um, you know, just in short supply. So they have a peg of 0.7. Their long-term growth rate is 23%. They beat again on this earnings report in second quarter. They reported 84 cents versus 61. 2021 earnings expected to be up 84%. To $2.46. They made $133 last year. But again, the analysts are unsure for next year and they're looking for it to decline slightly, just 4.7% down to $234. So after this big growth spurt, how much more is left in the tank? This is the issue with a lot of these companies, which is why we see them so cheap and why Wall Street is kind of staying away. Wall Street wants the sure bet things with the growth. They they know Microsoft is still going to be growing the Azure and LinkedIn and that um, Amazon is still going to be growing that AWS in the double digits for next year. So they are willing to pay higher valuations and get that, you know, almost uh, for sure type of growth. But these other ones, these uh, ones that are pandemic winners, it's been great runs, 
but the street's not totally believing that it's going to continue. So that means that's an opportunity for those of us who are value investors to take a look, keep it on the watch list, um, listen in on the conference call, see what's actually going on with demand. On the auto side, the auto retailers are not seeing a slowdown in demand, not yet. But as even Benjamin Graham has said, nothing can grow like you know hotcakes forever and you ultimately will see a slowdown. But the good news is with this screen and with these seven companies, the shares are already cheap. We are already paying, um, you know, getting the earnings and the sales on sale. So that's why the peg ratio is a powerful tool for value investors because it helps us to find that growth but we're not overpaying for the growth, or in Benjamin Graham's words, we're not paying full price. We are getting it on sale. So that should allow us for a little bit of a cushion, but a lot of these companies, again, have seen soaring stocks. So on any kind of weakness or a bigger market correction, um, you know, keep these on your watch list, take a look at them on a bigger correction because they will get cheaper and see if that growth is still maintaining. And um, you know, this is the way that value investors can still be in the growth trade without overpaying. So let me repeat all the tickers again. We had Asbury, they are ABG. We had Group One Auto, GPI. We had Lithia, LAD. We had America's Car Mart. They haven't reported earnings yet, CRMT. We had Cabot, that's on the natural gas, COG. We had Abercrombie, they are um, the retail side, ANF. And then we had Echo Global Logistics, ECHO. Now you wanna be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Get us somewhere. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon Music. We're everywhere you can get podcasts because every week I'm going to be bringing you these value stocks. Yeah, there's plenty of them out there. So be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.